Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Deepank Udike. And I'm, I'm going to have him pronounce it too because it's a tough one. <laughs> He's Chief Operating Officer at Vantage Hemp. We're going to talk to him about the work they're doing in the CBD extraction space. Obviously, a big market and a big you know, part of the cannabis industry. So I've gone through a lot the last 18 months or so. So we'll kind of hear how Vantage Hep has managed that, what it's really kind of affecting the industry and where they see the opportunities. Uh, exciting. I, I think the, you know, the CBD market is obviously a huge, huge market. Um, and it's one that is, is just poised to grow more uh, in the coming years. So, um, you know, it's interesting one to kind of see how it's playing out. Uh, with that, Deepak, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much for having me. And, and correct, correct my pronunciation. Pronounce your last <laughs> name again for me. It's Deepank Utkede. Utkede. 
All right. Yeah. Well, well, it's a it's, it's a good one. <laughs> so thanks for being on the program. Let's do a little bit of background first. So how did you get into this? How did you get into cannabis? What was your professional background? And then we'll talk about Vantage Hemp and what you guys are doing in the CBD space. Right. So yeah, Vantage Hemp, we established Vantage Hemp early 2019 based on the Farm Bill Act of 2018, which legalized hemp. We saw that as a, as a huge opportunity business-wise, but also to provide a quality product in a in an industry that is still emerging from kind of that the dark <laughs> kind yeah. of a, a gray area mm-hmm. into a fully legal business. We saw that as you know a, a place for us to kind of take a foothold, start in on the ground floor, and grow with the industry as it evolves and develops. With it being and what we where we saw our niche was to provide a, a quality high high spec product that people can rely on because people are not using this as just, you know, they're putting it on their skin. Well, they are, but a lot of people are ingesting it and they're using it to treat medical conditions and for them to be able to have a reliance on that, on that product that they're taking, they need to ensure that it's based on quality. So we approached it not from a, a manufacturing mentality. We approached it from a pharmaceutical mentality. So my background is I've got over about 22 years, 23 years in pharma, manufacturing, development, formulation development. I've built pharma manufacturing spaces to build and produce products that go into humans, that humans use yeah. to treat various medical conditions. And these have all gone through the pharma drug approval process. So, you know, 10 years and many, many hundreds of millions of dollars in development costs to, to get to that end goal. And that whole process is based on quality, ensuring that what you say the product is, is exactly what it is. And it doesn't have anything else in there that could be harmful to patients. Yeah. So we approached it from that aspect. The extracts that we, we produce, we consider them more of APIs than extracts. So active pharmaceutical ingredients. So Got people it. can, we have the documentation, the quality and the assurance that the product that we're, we're presenting to them is truly what it is. And they, our, our customers can take that with confidence and formulate it into their products. And when they say, you know, it's 25 megs per mil, it is truly 25 megs per mil. Mm-hmm. And is that, I mean, as you have kind of seen the industry play out, I mean, yes. what is most of the industry, give us a sense of where you see general production levels and what are some of the challenges and where do you see it not to the level that you're performing at? Well, so I think the, the biggest thing is quality. And it's it's when you have an extract and you say it's 99% pure, what we're seeing that it isn't truly 99% pure. You know, there it's anywhere from 90 on upwards. And so when you can't rely on your extract, when you formulate it, you're going to have variability in your final product, which then leads to a customer saying, well, you know, it, when they take one batch, it works. The next batch doesn't work because maybe it's subpotent or one batch works because it's overly potent because yeah. they've underestimated the potency. And so, you know, it becomes very difficult for your end manufacturer to produce consistent product that they can put on the shelf. And what we're finding also is that, you know, depending on the the end user, a lot of them will take the extraction company's C of A and use that to formulate their products and they don't test it further. So there's a lot of variability built in. So what we're we're trying to establish is quality at our stage that our end customer can rely on and use that for their manufacturing process. 
And do you think this is, I mean, as you kind of see the consumer side of this develop, and as we go from, you know, kind of people using flour, you know, in kind of the marijuana side, to really thinking of this more as uh, an ingredient like, how has this market shifted in that respect? So, yeah, we're seeing a lot more people yeah, move away from flour because not only is it inconvenient to either smoke flour or, or ingest flour, there's kind of a, um, a societal, you know, looking down upon people yeah. who smoke and stuff. So, and also the smell that's associated with it also, it's not, some people just don't like it. So what we're seeing is presentations that are easier to take and you can take them in any kind of environment, but it's it's more convenient for the, the customer, the end customer, whether it's a capsule, whether it's just a, like a sports drink. At the end of the day, you're not just getting, you know, CBD to help your you know, sore muscles and aches and pains after a workout, but also you're getting the electrolytes and everything else along with it to, to help with recovery. And it's just, it's more convenient. So if you're taking it, you know, as a sleep aid, you know, you, you can, it's easier to pop a capsule than going out on your balcony and, and smoking flour tea. Yeah. Got the same effect. Yeah. The other thing that really I think people are really starting to appreciate, and where we talked earlier about you know that quality aspect with flour, depending on what strain you get or where you get it from, what year, what farmer you get it from, you're going to end up with a ton of variability in terms of the CBD content within that flour yeah. and how much you get per roll. Yeah. Whereas if you're talking, you know, here's a, a tincture or a capsule or a drink or, or what have you, it's precisely controlled. So you know exactly how much you're getting and you can, you can tune that, you know, you could end up with a pre-roll and, you know, one set of pre-rolls, you've got to smoke one cigarette, whereas another, you might have to only smoke half, you know, it's, you can eliminate that variability and end up with just a more consistent product. Yeah. Are you finding that a lot of folks are doing kind of these formulations now as well, where, yeah. you know, it's just they're actually incorporating lots of different product or lots of different elements or components into the final product that may or may not be directly cannabis related? Um, yes and no. What we're seeing a lot of is actually uh, some formulations where you're taking CBD and you're adding some THC to it because of, you know, that, that whole entourage effect. Yeah. So there's some schools of thought out there that actually THC is needed to help with the, the CBD aspect. Yeah. Of it. There's also, you know, CBD acts on one set of conditions, whereas THC acts on another set of conditions. And if you're, you know, if you if you have conditions that kind of need combination of the two, those combination products actually could work quite well for for some folks. For example, you know, CBD is really good for inflammation, not so good with pain, but it, it will treat the pain associated with the inflammation, but through the inflammation, but doesn't really treat the pain. Whereas THC potentially has effect on pain. So if you can kind of combine the two, you treat the inflammation and you treat the pain. So yeah. there are uh, a few things like that. And we, we have seen some other products out there where they, where they do like a, a water-soluble CBD in combination with like other, you know, uh, electrolytes and vitamins and minerals to for like a post-recovery drink yeah. uh, or just a general well-being health drink. Yeah. Are you getting the other cannabinoids and like terpenes and things like that as from a kind of extraction process? From, from the extraction process, we, uh, for the most part, once you like... At, at the full spectrum oil stage, you will still have the terpenes, but what we're seeing right now is a lot of people are, are moving towards a distillate because really, again, they're, they're going for that consistency. Yeah. You're going to end up with a more consistent product, the more pure or more 
purified it is. And that's what we see with, you know, distillate is one step away from, from isolate. But, the, you know, that whole distillation process takes away the terpenes. It strips out the terpenes yeah. and that with a more concentrated product. However, what we're seeing and what we're hearing is that there is a need for those terpenes that you strip out. They'll isolate them into their individual components. And some manufacturers will add them back in at a very precise ratio to that distillate for yeah. things like vape products. Anything that where a flavor profile is important. If you're dealing with like a, a drink, you're probably not going to want that flavor profile. You're going to probably want yeah. a basket. So, you know, they're using, for the most part, what we're seeing is they're using like isolate for those. But if you're doing a, uh, um, a vape product, yeah, that flavor profile is important. If you're doing a capsule, that flavor profile is not so important. You're really concerned about the, the content, the, uh, the purity, so that you can formulate accurately as you go forward. Yeah. And in terms of kind of the process that really needs to happen, I mean, I, as you know, as you've taken kind of a, a pharmaceutical kind of level approach to the production mm-hmm. process, what, how is that different? What's really involved? Is this about technology? Is it about process? Is it about standards? Is it about training? Like what goes into creating, you know, a pharmaceutical grade product out of this? <laughs> Excellent question. The, the simplest answer is all of the above. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, when you look at pharmaceutical or, or GMP manufacturing, good manufacturing practices, manufacturing, uh-huh. it's, this, it's not just one thing. It's not just training or it's not just procedures. It's the combination of everything together to create a well-controlled and understood process where you can reliably and run the same manufacturing process and end up with the same product. When I say that, I don't mean the same, like at the crude stage, you end up with the same crude with the same potency and the same, you know, cannabinoid profile and the same liquid profile because that, I mean, we're still dealing with a biological product. So, you know, the analogy I draw is to, to wine. If you grow the same variety of grapes on the same plot of land, but you make wine out of the northeast corner of grapes versus the southeast corner that's on a slope facing, you know, south. Yeah. The wine that you make from those two things, two grapes, even though they're in the same plot of land and the same variety, is going to be radically different. The same applies to hemp. What strain you grow, how you grow it, where you grow it will affect not only the amount of CBD, it'll affect the the cannabinoid profile, the other components within the plant that you will extract during the extraction process. So when I say, you know, a consistent process, meaning when you run these parameters, you end up with a material that has the same qualities. They, you know, the same, it's not burnt or it's not, it hasn't extracted things that are undesirable, you know, things like that. So you, you've got this process and the way, so you, you achieve that through a number of, of process steps and gates basically to, to get to there. So, you know, you set up your, your process, you do development, you do process development, uh, you establish your parameters and you look at, well, these, these parameters are, are the best parameters. And if we go you know, a little bit outside to the lower and to the higher side, are we still good? And if you are, then those become your proven acceptable ranges. And then you take that and you go and you do what's known as a validation. You validate that process to work within those parameters. So you set your parameters, you do generally three batches, and you show that the product at the end of the day is consistent and it meets your quality requirements. And, and critically there is that you've extracted your CBDs, you haven't introduced any, any contaminants, you establish that process, mm-hmm. and you do that for every step of the process. Once you do your validation, then you set up a very comprehensive documentation that when operators take it, it does a very 
precise step-by-step process. Okay, now you do this, now you do this, now you do this. And then you record data as you go, like how much did you collect? How much did you put in? What is the, uh, at the end of the day, what is the, the quality of that product? And you release that product to a spec that you've, you've established. Then you do training on that procedure so that you, you're, you're telling people, this is how this process is set up. This is how we, um, we run the process. This is how you fill out the documentation. A critical part of GMP is documentation. Everything needs to be documented. And, and the, the principle that they use is, if it's not written down, it didn't happen. Yeah. So even though you, know, you end up with product at the end of the day, but you, know, you haven't filled out your documentation, well, that never happened. You may have the product, but there's no proof that you actually followed the procedure to produce that product that you've established produces good product. Yeah. So you know, that product then you know, basically is now what, what the FDA would call adulterated. Interesting. So you have to have documentation. You have to have all your SOPs for how to operate the equipment. You have batch records on recording information for the batches themselves. So each batch, whatever, however you define it, will have its own set of documentation. So it's kind of all of the above. And at the end of the day, you test your product, you ensure it meets your specification, and then you, you do what's known as trend analysis. So you look at your, you don't just say, oh, it, it met, and that's good. On a quarterly or, or semi-annual or annual basis, you basically look at all of your production data yeah. and you try to identify trends oh look at this it's starting to go it's yeah, starting creep. to go it's starting to creep up or down and we got to figure out why is that a quality issue or is that just a process issue but you can't just ignore it yeah it's like some it's some part in our machine wearing out slowly exactly. that's causing exactly. a, you know some kind yeah. of trend in the yeah yeah you, you don't it's not like the romp peel you know oven you don't set it and forget it you, yeah. you have to you have to monitor it yeah. and ensure that it, it's it's op, one operation within parameters it's producing product that's acceptable and when it isn't the um, uh, you, you have mechanisms in place to ensure that you identify it mm-hmm. the other thing that we look at is that documentation part everything is you can't just like if you have a batch record and you're like oh this parameter is no longer good I'm just going to change it well you can't just change that document you have to go through a very you have to do go through a control procedure to change that document it's, it's called change control yeah. basically any production documentation if you want to change it you have to go through change control through your quality group they initi- you initiate it but the quality group kind of signs off on it so you basically say what you want to change mm-hmm. why you want to change it and the most important part is what potential impact will it have on the product if it's a minor change you basically say it's, you know you can say that there's no change there's nothing more to be done but if it's a significant change like let's say you're changing the temperature on co2 extraction from 50 degrees to 70 degrees well you have to be able to show data that going to 70 degrees doesn't affect the quality. So you will have already done the development studies to show that 70 degrees is is a better condition. It, it results in more extraction or more efficient extraction, less side products come out, and um, you include that in your change control as justification, then you can change it. Otherwise, you can't just, what that avoids is people just making changes on a whim. Yeah. Because that's one thing that we observed in this industry when we first started out with it in, in, in back in 2019 when we're establishing the manufacturing space and buying equipment is when you went and talked to people, there was just a just a void of data. It's you talk to them and you go, uh, well, why do you do it this way? Yeah. Oh, this way we've always done it. <laughs> or Bob said, this yeah, is exactly. the best way. Yeah. And you should be going, well, can you show me data that says if you went higher or lower, it results in less 
you know, less, less superior, desirable yeah. product or less efficient process. And no, 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 just the way we've always done it. And this is the way we're always going to do it. And so this is how we, how we do it. And we're just like, okay. So, you know, that drove a lot of our, not only hiring, but also drove our design of our, of our manufacturing space. So, you know, we, we've got two buildings here in Greeley, Colorado. Building one, which we call Falcon, is about 35,000 square feet. And building two is, uh, is Raven. Uh, it's literally across the street. And it's 25,000 square feet for a total of about 60,000 square feet. But because of that lack of data uh, and the fact that we need to do process development and, and, if nothing else, convince ourselves that these are the best operating parameters. We put in an analytical lab so we can do our own analysis, especially of, of our most important parameter, which is the cannabinoid content, so that we can do that very quickly. So most extractors who use the third party will do you know, a bunch of studies over the course of a week, collect all your samples, send them out, wait for a week for the results to get back and then figure out, okay, these are our next steps. By having our own lab, what we were able to do is basically run a full day's worth of studies submit the samples at the end of the day. By the next morning, we would have results and we would determine what our next course of action is. Yeah, yeah. so you can kind of, you can cycle through it faster than yeah. you otherwise could. You know, so faster, all, yeah. all of the work that goes into this, you know, it's got, has to, you know, have a cost to it. Yeah. I mean, I guess, where yeah. does it put your product in terms of market pricing relative to market? Like who is willing to pay and gets value out of a higher quality, you know, product so, right now? Right, so, you know, what's interesting to us is that the cost of, of our goods is no more or no less than what's currently on market. It's just that we've put in the time and effort to get to that point. And what we've been able to do is through the selection of cutting edge technology, the most efficient processes, we're able to keep our costs down and in line with the industry to be able to provide that product. However, we can match the industry, but we, we're offering a level of, of quality that, you know, is unsurpassed in, uh, it's second to none in, in the industry. And, um, you know, that's a combination of not only the, the processes and the equipment and the facilities that we've built, but also it's our safety that we've designed into our facilities is also, is right now industry leading. Both buildings were designed Mm-hmm. And with full transparency, not only with the city of Greeley building department, mm-hmm. but more importantly, the fire marshal. Yeah. The fire marshal and, and us and our design group had regular meetings to discuss what are the requirements, what is needed to be monitored, how are the different levels going to affect the fire alarm in terms of alert levels mm-hmm. and alarm levels, when will the fire department be here? Where, what are we going to monitor for? It, it, so it's, it's so our buildings are not just simply fire. So they're not looking for smoke and heat. Our buildings are fully equipped with gas detectors. Interesting. So for CO2, we're looking for, you know, the presence of CO2 so that, you know, if there's a leak or something, your detection mechanism isn't when a person passes out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you, you've got the floor. Detect- yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, we got a leak. <laughs> so what, we've got detectors that detect for the CO2 around the CO2 units, and they have alert levels that basically say, okay, look, there's something going on here. You need to yeah. fix something. Otherwise, we're going to be an alarm level, and that's, that's a dangerous level. That's where you, know, you evacuate the building. Yeah. Same thing with we've got propane detectors. We've got pentane detectors. We've got nitrogen detectors in, um, in a uh, nitrogen uh, purging room. Yeah. So you know, we, we've got a lot of systems in place to ensure that not only we're we operating safe, but we're also operating at the highest compliance yeah. of, uh, of regulatory requirements. I mean, is, is this just what any, I mean, any good non-cannabis sort of production you know, facility that deals with these kind of 
of chemicals and processes. This is what normally should be done. It's just, this is new to cannabis or like, why is this such a big deal for cannabis? Well, because for the most part, it's most of the labs that you're seeing are clandestine. Most of them, they're not even, they're not even on the radar uh, until they go up in flames. There was a, uh, a fairly large fire in LA at a hydrocarbon extraction facility where yeah. 11 or 12 firefighters got injured. Yeah. It was a clandestine lab and um, you know the, the fire department doesn't know it. So we were very clear from the beginning, we're going to make this a fully legal and a fully compliant facility to the point where we have, for the state of Colorado, our facility is the industry standard that will be used for any new extraction facilities that uh, want to come online. And the, the requirements are, I don't want to say so high, but you know the requirements are such that they've already had six applications come in and they've been given basically the, uh, the Vantage Hemp, this is how you do it manual. Uh-huh. And all six of those applications have been removed. Yeah. They, they basically said it was, it's too cumbersome. It's, it's capital intensive yeah. to do it, but once you but once you kind of go through it you're just like well this makes perfect sense like there's yeah. nothing that's extravagant it's it's all there for not only the safety of the employees but just as importantly it's also there for the safety of the firefighters and the first responders that come into the facility and have to deal with the situation because i mean we're dealing with you know large amounts of co2 we're dealing with very high amounts of liquid propane and yeah. other flammable solvents. So, you know, when something goes wrong, yeah, it's great. Everyone gets out, but you also have to be able to protect the people who are coming in yeah. have to deal with the situation. Yeah. You don't want to take out a city block with, no, uh, exactly. uh, you know, one of these facilities. And I mean, I guess in terms of, as you see the kind of the market play out, I mean, what do you think the trend is going to be in terms of, you know, the demand for these kind of pharmaceutical grade components for, for, you know, companies are putting together products, putting together formulations. I mean, how do you see this kind of playing out from a market point of view? I think it's really, it's going to grow because it's not just being able to say that your, your raw materials are GMP compliant or are pharmaceutical grade, but from a business aspect, from, from an end user, from a business aspect, it gives you a level of confidence that what you're buying is truly what we tell them it is. And that confidence will allow them to go forward into the market with a quality product that they probably wouldn't be able to do from other manufacturers. Because, you know, if if you've got other manufacturers who who are not following proper regulations or not, you could have contamination in there. And then, you know, that that could be detrimental. And now you're in a a recall or product recovery situation, which is devastating to a any sort of brand yeah. that's out there. If you've got, you know, the thing you got to remember is you're not the only person out there with a CBD cream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you've got an issue with the quality of a product and you've got a recall, you're going to have to deal with, you know, your customers and patients mm-hmm. kind of going, well, let's go on to another one. Because then yeah. you, not only do they call into question your ability to produce a quality product, but they also, you know, they, you could be in a situation where, you know, now, you're, now you don't have any product to put on the shelf. Well, if people need your product, they're just going to go to the next available yeah. brand, and then you start losing market share. So, you know, at least from a from a, a quality of the ingredients point of view, if we can at least for our, our customers eliminate that aspect of it, I mean, there's still other things that you have to worry about in terms of you know the final formulation and then putting it on the shelf that they have to worry about. But you know, if if they can reliably count on our product meeting the the quality requirements, then that makes their their job a lot easier. Yeah. And do you see, I'm curious as you've kind of strategically, you know, kind of figured out your growth plan or 
as you kind of figure out your growth plans. Mm-hmm. I mean, how does the location stuff play into this, right? Because you you have to ship, you know, you ship raw biomass, you've got to process yeah. it, you've got to get it out to the facility. So you're in, in Colorado now, but what is, yeah. like, how do you envision these locations rolling out? Are you looking at kind of global centers? Is this, you know, something that you, you stand up more of these facilities over time? Yeah. What's what's the plan there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the nice thing about our current, you know, the supply chain within within uh, within USA is we can get biomass from anywhere and have it at our facility within two or three days. Yeah. It's not an issue. So whether we have it here or Kentucky or, or somewhere else, it almost doesn't matter, but it does make some sense to minimize your, your shipping costs to be in your, your primary growth area. So that's one thing we are looking at right now. I mean, for us in Colorado, it's absolutely ideal because yeah. Colorado has a massive hemp growing collective and we can quite quickly and very locally even like within five to ten minutes of of the Greeley facility have access to high quality hemp grown by local farmers and really you know we're we're looking at supporting our local farmers but also as we grow and we set up basically super centers super uh, extraction centers in various locations will be based on you know where the primary growing areas are, and we're seeing yeah. that in Oregon, Kentucky, being you know the ones that quickly come to mind. You know, California is also a uh, an option, but you know they've got their own issues with taxes and, <laughs> and yeah, other exactly. issues. <laughs> uh, different podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different podcast. We won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, interesting. This has been a pleasure, Deepak. If people want to find out more about you, about the work you guys are doing, what's the best way to get that information? Well, you can definitely visit our website at thevantagehep.com. We're also on Instagram. And um, yeah, just keep uh, uh, sign up and then uh, we can uh, keep you apprised of developments as we go. And we're, we're always putting out news releases on new developments. We are now, you know, a fully operational facility, you know, making quality extracts. Awesome. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes so people can get that. Deepak, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you very much for having me and uh, have yourself a great day. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.